0: spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine with the weather warming up it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a pilates class or outdoor guided walk peloton has everything you need to help you get going get a head start on summer with peloton at onepeloton.com
1: i'm pat cummins i'm josh hazelwood i'm lisman Kowaja, i'm mitch marsh i'm darren lehman i'm mitch stark and you're listening to the unplayable podcast This is the Unplayable Podcast. On today's episode, we're going to wrap up Australia's T20 Tri-Series Triumph and preview Australia's three-day tour match in Benoni. Here to do that is a man making his podcast return after 18 months out on the bench. It's Cricket.com TV reporter, Callum Cannon-Newick. Welcome, Cal. It is both a pleasure and an
2: honor to be back on the podcast, Sam. Thanks for having me.
1: And making his unplayable podcast debut. He's one of the best video journalists in this room.
3: That's very generous to call me a journalist. He's half man, half
1: amazing, Andre the Doc Major.
3: Thanks, Sam. Thanks for having me on board.
1: I know you're an avid listener aren't you,
3: Doc? Yeah, I've been listening to... Um, this will be the first one I listened to. <laughs>
1: We're going to start, Doc, with Australia's T20 international win over there in New Zealand in Auckland. They beat New Zealand by 19 runs with the DLS method involved there. Ashton was player of the match with three for 27 while Darcy Short punched out a rapid-fire 50 as rain stopped the match short, but Australia five wins from five matches, and won the tournament. What a series, Cal.
2: What a series indeed, Sam. Uh, Quite a unique one in the sense that obviously it started in Australia, and then we jumped the Tasman to finish it off in New Zealand, and in doing so, the Test Squad, of course, here in South Africa, where we are now. um, We watched a few games early mornings over here, and then for the final, we had a situation where we had the Test Squad training in Benoni while the T20 squad was playing the final. So... Uh, we certainly didn't see a great deal of the final, but um, you know
1: we'll pretend like we did. That's right. I mean, the, the fortunate thing that Calum is that all the highlights are on cricket. dot com. So if you did miss ah. any of the action, you can go there and watch it. We'll do. Andre, uh, there's no secret that you are a big fan of Glenn Maxwell.
3: Yes, I am a big fan. <laughs> and
1: Maxie was named Man of the Series. Uh, he scored 233 runs at an average of just 116 and a half. He got that hundred, that match winning hundred. He's been dynamic in the field. How good is it to see Maxi back in the Australian colours doing so well?
3: Well, it's it's fantastic. I love to see him, you know, playing well, doing well. Um, he's got, like, an up-and-down career. So, one minute he'll be out of the team, on the dugout, but then he just blasts his way back in. And everyone's just going, why is this man not in every format of the game? And Cal,
1: when he does play like that, he must think that he can play in any format anywhere in the world.
3: There are...
2: Few players in world cricket, I'd say, that are more compelling to watch than Glenn Maxwell when he's in full flight, and that's what we saw during that T20 series. Um, he he just does things that people shouldn't be able to do on the cricket field. Um, he hits balls where they shouldn't be hit, and he just finds a way. He's electric in the field, and um, you know, got a situation now where he's obviously missed out on the test squad in South Africa, so he's going to go back and play some Shield cricket, and I think. It's going to be really important for him to be able to continue on what he did uh, before the break and yep. be able to pile on those first-class runs. Um, you know, Given there's a, a tour against Pakistan later in the year where you know someone like him who has that ability to bowl some spinning overs and we saw what he did last year in India and, and then Bangladeshi featured again. So that's probably his, um, certainly in the immediate future, his way back into the test team. Um so these next few shield round,
3: shield rounds are gonna be really fascinating. Could I just put out a question? Like when you if you hear kids on the street talking about cricketers, they often I often hear the word Glenn Maxwell more than I hear the word Steve Smith. Because Maxi dominates in T twenties. And I just wonder these guys who are now playing idolise people like Ricky Ponning, Langer, who played in Test matches, kids now are idolising the T twenty players. And that's Maxwell. So I reckon he's having a huge influence on the next generation of players, so you know I mean in five ten years from now won't it be like t20 matches and that sort of thing that players are going to be at their best oh absolutely, and I think the big reason that is the b b l because all those guys all those games have being
1: um, shown on free to air television and prime time and school holidays they're a lot more accessible uh you can you can see them uh, you can follow them on social media as well. They're sort of a younger generation. And Maxwell's right there, isn't he? He's a big social media user and he engages with the fans a lot.
3: And I think you're right. I just think he's going to go down as one of the greats.
1: <laughs>
2: the kids just
3: like to watch people who put on a show, right? Yeah, he's an, and he's the entertainer. He is. He's or the he's, big show. <laughs> yeah, that's right. He's the big show. He's the one that everyone wants to see, walk out. Remember that we did that video in New York and we did this random sort of taxi ride? This is a random person in New York who who just goes, oh, Maxwell, yes, you're the one who lights up the stage. There you go. Is that why you like him so much, Doc? That um, it's not just his performances, but he is basically reminiscent of the Beatles when they landed in America in 1964. That is a monstrous call. That
2: is arguably the biggest call. He basically
3: puts on a show, not just on the field, but off the field. And sometimes he gets in trouble for it. (laughs) Just Sam. like John Leonard did in 1964. Sam, I don't listen to the podcast just,
2: much. Just like John Leonard. I don't listen to the podcast much, but that's got to go down as one of the biggest calls in the show's history.
1: It's definitely one of the biggest calls.
2: I'm just saying he's
3: got the same kind of personality. When you see the Beatles, that video of the four of them landing at JFK Airport, and they're just going, they're being asked all these questions, and they're giving all these answers that these journalists had never seen before in their lives. That's Maxwell to me. All right. Beatlemania. He's basically, Maxwell, yeah, the Maxwell. big show, Beatlemania. Another
1: Easy. another very engrossing player is Dave Warner. He's the captain of this T20 side while Steve Smith's in South Africa had a break after the one days and what a fantastic job he did. He's all about putting the onus on the bowls and being sort of the backup man with the plan uh, in case something doesn't go right. But another compelling argument for Dave Warner to, to remain as a T20 captain having so much success in the shortest format. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how they go with the team selection. Callum, but David Warner couldn't have done much more to impress. He really
2: embraces uh, his time in the captaincy, doesn't he? Um, We saw it in Sri Lanka a couple of years back. Uh, And for as long as we have these scheduling conflicts where we have two national teams in in different spots, uh, this will keep probably popping up. And as you said, there's certainly a case there now for David Warner to kind of take on that full-time T20 captaincy. But um, I think that is a difficult conversation for the powers that be to have with someone like Steve Smith, who... Um, is
1: an absolute run machine.
2: Is, is an absolute run machine, yes. Yep. And, you know, for people will talk about his white ball record recently, but, you know, he's started in the IPL in previous years. Um, we obviously don't see much of him in the BBL because of international commitments, but I don't think you can talk down his T20 record too much. Um, he just hasn't played much, has he? Well, that's right. So, um you know, As we build up to that T20 World Cup in uh, 2020 in Australia, I think, ideally, there will be more opportunities for this full-strength T20 team, and I think we'll touch on what that actually looks like in a bit, but more opportunities for that full-strength team to actually sort of string some games together and see what that looks like moving forward.
1: Absolutely. And Chris Lynn, um, the exciting six-hitting sensation that he is, unfortunately, suffered a dislocated right shoulder. That's the other shoulder, that hasn't been, uh, has been has been troubling him. The left one's been the bad one, but he hurt his right shoulder in the field in the final. Uh, he's out of the Pakistan Super League. Unclear of what his next playing commitment's going to be. Um, we're still waiting scans and the results of those, but just a, such a deflating injury for one of the most exciting players in the world.
2: Well, we're talking about compelling players to watch just before, and that's Chris Lynn. He's right yep. up there in world cricket. So, um, yeah you know it's hard to put words together really to talk about it because it's so disappointing for him disappointing for fans and um you know just disappointing for the amount of cricket teams that he plays for to not be able to have his services for the next little while and you know hopefully it's not too bad we know it's a dislocated shoulder and not much more than that at this stage so hopefully he's back for
3: the IPL and
2: bombing sixes again soon
3: can i ask a question you know how it's yes. a bit of a news deal when these players are going for like 1.75 million in the IPL. If you get injured before you even get to arrive and you may not even play, what happens to that cash? Well, that's a good question. I think the insurance comes into it, Doc. Uh, I think they will get some sort
1: of fee, but to be honest, I'm not 100% sure. But he's not Maybe to...
3: 10% of that $1.75?
1: Well, he's not going to get all of it. That's for sure. That's if he doesn't play and we still don't know. But yeah. It'll so a, a massive blow, really, isn't it? Well, absolutely. I mean, he's not going to get the full $1.7 million. And I think more, more than that, I'm sure um, money is definitely a big driver to, to play. But uh, it's going to be bad for Kolkata and the other teams that he's representing because he's such an impact. And there was talks about him being captain of that side as well. So uh, a big blow on a number of counts. Kolkata number-riders. Yeah.
3: Is that the team that Brad Hogg played for? <laughs> yes, he was there. Is he but, going back again this year? I'm
1: not sure. I don't think he got picked up in the auction.
3: He might still get a go, buddy. He? Is he, there any more chances? He
1: might be late pickup. Do they do like late draftees? Yeah. Well, if there's injuries. Do you think Brad Hogg could possibly replace Chris Lynn at Kolkata? <laughs> <laughs> he was a batsman once, not, upon in, a time, not in the batting didn't, lineup. Didn't he get a one-day seventy?
3: I'm uh, sure. I reckon he did at one point. Hoggy. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, he did. I know he got one big score. I looked at his stats.
1: Right now, with that victory in the T20 Tri Series, Australia have rocketed up the T20 rankings. They started the series at number seven. They now find themselves just. 0.19 behind Pakistan as the top team in the world. Australia 125.65 points. Pakistan 125.84. Let's round up to 126. Let's call them equal leaders. But what a resurgence by, by Australia! You know, it just shows maybe the the rankings are a little bit fickle because you can have a couple. You can have a good run and you just can shoot up. You can just shoot up bit. But nonetheless, the, the way this team is played, I mean, they are playing like the best team in the world. Well, they are,
2: and um, from what we hear, it was only a clerical error that stopped them from taking number one from what we thought was going to be the case. Mm-hmm. And um, Just a side note, clerical errors are in my top five type of errors. Yeah? What else is up there? I don't know, but I'm, I just know clerical errors are up there.
1: <laughs> right.
2: How good are clerical errors, though? Clerical errors, yeah.
1: Factual errors?
2: Uh, yeah. Probably so behind clerical. What about erroneous errors? Yeah. yeah. Still doesn't surpass it's clerical. It's the
1: same thing, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah.
2: But, um, yeah, I mean, an incredible turnaround.
1: Unforced errors. Oh, yeah, From a tennis
3: point of view. Yeah, Did the but Beatles
1: you... ever play tennis? <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah, they might have, with Muhammad Ali, maybe. Yeah, it's,
2: it's, amazing. it's amazing what can change in the space of a few weeks. Um, you know, a month or so ago, before the Tri-Series started, T20 cricket for the Australian uh, on an international scale was, you know, it's almost crisis points. What do we do? Blah, blah, blah. How do we turn things around before that? T20 World Cup in a couple of years, and then all of a sudden
3: they're back on top of the world. Can't be stopped. Can't be stopped, Doc. So if just from a layman's point of view, do people really care about the ICC rankings? I think they do. I mean, it's, I think there's a, it's a gauge, and I think there's, it's a, something to point at. So, so you can say, okay, we are the best T20 team, best batsman. Yeah. It's much like the tennis, do you think the players talk the about tennis it, rankings. Do you think when Coley and Smithy sort of care about their rankings? Yeah, I reckon they do. I reckon, like they don't show up with a... No, I reckon they a big do. Deal. I reckon it. I reckon it's a big okay, deal. Fair
1: enough. Feel the number one batter in the world. You want to be proud of that. And I reckon, in a way, it drives them to play to be better than their rivals, their adversaries.
3: Yeah. Cool. Yeah.
1: Now the T20 team uh, had the had the pleasure of having Ricky Ponting being an assistant coach.
3: The secret to Maxwell's success? It, there you go.
1: That's it. He was there the whole tour. They're five from five. Uh, he's been in as a potential T20 coach, head coach of the future. But, jeez, what a thrill it must have been to have Ricky Ponting there. Ash Nagar said that every word he says is like gold and they just want him to keep talking. <laughs> and uh, we've actually, cricket.com, we had the fortunate pleasure of interviewing him throughout the Magellan Ashes series and the KC BBL and... His insight is unparalleled.
3: Uh, what? His Hang ins- on, his insight unparalleled. Unparalleled. Don't forget Justin Langer. He's pretty good.
1: Yeah, but he's not a pundit, doc. Huh? He's not a pundit. Oh, okay. Yeah, Justin Langer's great, but Ricky Ponting insight unparalleled. Yeah, Wolf, well,
3: that's what I heard. Yeah, yeah.
1: Do you think JL? I reckon matches? JL. Oh, yeah. really? Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I mean, he's he's good. coaching. He's he's in the game still. Ricky's sort of coming back into it, you know, as a right. as a commentator.
2: I think we can all agree Ricky is a genuine cricket genius Yep Like He says stuff and it happens Like we say stuff and Talk absolute rubbish and Most of it never
3: happens Because we have, we have no idea But Ricky Ponting Nails it Like 90% of the time Even more Yeah remember that time he was talking about Cook He said don't discount a legend Yeah And then he Cookie made a century Double century That's right Bang just on, on,
1: on Ricky, I mean, they're surely now Cricket Australia have to do everything they can to keep him in the system somehow. Just the influence that he has, and you know, Darren Lehman's always said that 2019 will be the end of his coaching stint. You've got to think they'll, they'll want, want to try and get him in there, won't they?
2: Well, whether or not he takes it on a full-time capacity across all formats, I think, um, from what it sounds like, from what you hear from Ricky and kind of where CA is heading, is that kind of specialty... T20 coaching role mm. and I think Ricky Pony is an obvious candidate for that and I think the process there is to sit down with Ricky and say what do you want and whatever he wants and give it gives it to him <laughs> I think is
1: how it works and it would you know the, the sad part would it be great for the Australian cricket team and the Australian cricket team fans but on the other hand we might lose him from the Combox, box and his commentary is perhaps the best in the world well that's true um, that's just as selfish yes that's being selfish
2: nothing wrong with that um, well, perhaps the, that's the compromise. Yep. He takes on the T20 role and dominates and still manages to find time to commentate. Like Mark
3: Waugh.
1: Just like Mark Waugh, like the selector. There you go. Now, the T20 team, well, five from five, it's a fantastic. it's made a lot of big bash stars. David won the only test player in the team. Uh, guys, what do we reckon? Do we think that this might be the way they're going to go forward now? They might split the teams even a couple of years out from that world T20 in 2020 in Australia or... Can we see a couple of those test players coming back into the team?
2: Yeah. I mean, we spoke about it before. It's going to be hard to tell Steve, Steve Smith to stay out of that team. Yeah. Um, I think he has to find a spot in that middle order somewhere. And even if it's sort of in a more flexible role. So even
3: if he bats three one game. I'd love to see him just not be the captain of that team. But in the team? In the team, but just not captain. Yeah. Leave, just, leave, yeah, it, with leave Warner. it to someone else. Yeah. Warner? Just to take the pressure yep. off, you're thinking? Uh yeah, but I, take the pressure off. But I reckon having one captain for T20, ODI and Test, it's a bit too much. I reckon it's, it's got a bit more flavour to it if there's someone else there. And the fatigue factor
1: too. If you've got to get your head around captaining three different sides. I mean, England split it up and look yep. how good Joe Root performed in the one-day series when old Morgan was in charge. Maybe it's a mental refresh of anything.
3: Yep, and they, they have to end up giving Smithy a rest every now and then, don't they? Like yep. they did in Sri Lanka. And then, yeah, I reckon it'd be good just to mix it up. I reckon, I come at it from a layman's point of view, so I've got no idea whether or not it's going to be too much draining on him. He seems to be a workaholic, so I don't think he'd say no to... No, I think he would want to just keep being captain of all three. Like, yep. CA would have to step in and say, mate, just take a break. We're going to we're gonna force this... To, <laughs> you're not going to be captain of the T20 side. You in, can play... In your best interest. Yeah, in your yeah. best interest. Yeah. Just concentrate on the tests and the ODIs, maybe. But then apart
2: from that, I think... Um, I mean, the bowling attack performed so well, obviously, nothing not going to take anything away from that. But um, someone like Mitchell Stark, who we know Absolutely. what he's done with the white ball in the past, perhaps not more so recently. He's sort of, I think he's kind of heading more towards that red ball focus in recent times, given things like the Ashes and a series like this in South Africa. But yeah, in the next few months, next couple of years, someone like Stark, he's a white ball weapon. Um, Pat Cummins as well, he's dominated BBL in the past and... Um,
3: I've yeah. just loved seeing Billy Stanley get a few wickets. How good's Billy? It's a bit exciting, you know. A bit, what I was saying before, a bit of flavour when you've got different people in the team. I reckon it's fun.
1: While one team was dominating the T20s in New Zealand, the other Australian team was here in South Africa preparing for the Qantas Tour of South Africa, four test matches against the Proteas, and what shapes to be one blockbuster series. Uh, the Australians. You've got a three-day tour match in Benoni starting on Thursday. It's a first-class match. Lots to play for. There's an Australian eleven. Callum, you're all over this. Tell us who's in that team.
2: All right. Well, <laughs> I mean, to put it simply, it's basically the Ashes team that finished off that um, dominant series uh, so emphatically in Sydney. Uh, obviously, no David Warner at the top of the order, given his T20 commitments at the moment. So they've got um, Usman Khawaja stepping up to open, Peter Hanscom slotting in at three, and then they've basically just tried to keep that test team together as much as possible, particularly through the middle order, trying to give them the best preparation possible for that first test. And I guess having Usman open, um, I guess it gives that replication of perhaps an early wicket falls and Usman's in there early facing the new ball anyway. And he
1: did that in that day-night test match in 2016, got 100.
2: That's right. Yeah. And I guess there are still question marks around Cameron Bancroft entering the series. So, whether or not he can get those runs that he is hoping for and Australia are hoping for early on in the series, then perhaps a change may be required later in the series. And um, perhaps someone like Usman could then step up to open to fill that gap. But, I mean, there's a lot to be seen there.
1: The tour match is in Benoni, which is about 40 kilometres east of Johannesburg, where the Aussies are based. Uh, They've been playing, they've been training. At the Wanderers, the last couple of days, been some hot conditions, steamy conditions. Uh, Doc, you've been filming most of that training. What stood out for you?
3: Uh, the drone stood out for me. The drone? Um, Smithy's drone. Yeah, we'll get, we'll get to that. Okay, what stood out for me? Mm. There was one moment that stood out for me where Tim Payne was belting a few balls out in the nets, which is just outside the stadium, and he was belting them back into the stadium. Yeah, which I thought was quite impressive. But at one point, he quite came quite close to smashing open some lights and hitting them, and glass would have gone everywhere. It came within about a metre, I think, of hitting them. But I just went, wow, wow. That was probably the highlight for me.
1: Yeah, and the intensity, Callum, I think we've talked about it on the um, brand-new web series, in case you played or missed it. But the intensity has been right up there. The, sky high, I think we've called it. The sky high, yes.
2: Uh, the quicks aren't holding back, are they? No. Um, and that goes for the net bowlers as well. There's been some seriously testing sessions for the batsmen. Um, it hasn't been fun at all, I wouldn't suggest. Um, but the absolute ideal preparation for a South African attack that is so potent in their own right. Um, you know, guys like Rabada and, and Morkel and now in Giddy as well. So, um, you know, Hazelwood, Stark and Cummins as those sort of first-choice quicks have been just... <laughs> charging in, like, quite literally.
1: And they've been making the... Because the ball's been swinging around a bit and they've been making the batters look a little bit ordinary because they've, it has been moving and they've been getting plenty of edges and a lot of plays and misses.
2: Well, the most demoralizing thing for the batsmen is that they're using steel stumps in the nets. <laughs> <Yeah>. That's <laughs> So right. you can't hide from it.
1: <laughs> you hear that big clang, don't you? That's
2: right. So, you know, wooden stumps, you can kind of get away from it and maybe say it was an edge and, you know, kind of brush it off that way. But Keep if it we dropped. We it, that's <laughs> right, yeah. yeah. There's no hiding from it.
1: Yeah. Now, this tour match... Uh, is going to prove to be, you know, what looms to be a huge advantage for the Australians because they get a three-day red ball tour match while the South Africans, they've got to finish off their T20 International Series against India. That won't finish till Saturday. That's when the three-day tour match is scheduled to finish. Then both teams will fly to Durban. The test match starts on Thursday. So the Proteas are only going to have three training sessions. And as we've seen, the quicks don't bowl the day before a test match, so they're going to have two red ball sessions. Uh, how much it's just going to benefit the Australians. And how alarming is it for the South Africans?
2: Uh, I mean, we can speculate all we like, I guess, so we won't really know the answer until um, the end of the month. But um, I think for the Australians, given the packed international schedule that we find these days, um, to be able to have a tour match in the conditions of the opponent um, with what is essentially basically a full-strength 11 um, is just so important to be able to do that and get a hit and just experiencing conditions, you know, I talk about the high altitude here and how the ball carries a bit further, um, so we'll be able to just actually experience that in a game situation instead of just training each day. Um, you know, remains to be seen how important it is, but, you know, South Africa is still in this T20 series, as you mentioned, they only got a couple of days to prepare for that first test, so I think the Australians will be pretty happy with how their preparation is tracking.
1: All right, Doc. I know it's a big topic of yours. Let's talk about those drones. Steve Smith he has got a hobby. He spends so much time focusing on his batting, but mm. to get away from it, he's got this sort of mini aircraft and he's been taking some amazing footage with it.
3: It's called the Mavic Pro and it is the best drone on the consumer market at the moment. It costs about two thousand Australian dollars. What about
1: the black market? What's the best one on the on the black market? <laughs>
3: oh, I've got no idea. <laughs> there are drones out there that people can just put a rope under and just they can fly. Literally fly over is that, houses. Is that a helicopter? like a helicopter, yeah. but it's like a, a huge... It's about probably about the size of a bed, right. a queen-size bed. But this one's probably about the size of a laptop. It folds up to the size of a water bottle. You can put it into a little backpack. And so impressed was his teammate, Nathan Lyon, that yesterday, Steve Smith went around the Sandton City and bought him the same Mavic <laughs> Pro. <laughs> and so today at training whilst we're f- filming a press conference with David Saker. In the background, two of them are flying drones around the stadium, taking pictures on it. And it, I look at it and I think, like, like, at one point the other day when Smithy was showing me how to pilot this drone, he gave me the controls. He took a photo and then showed me everything that he was doing on it. And I'm just like, my God, this guy's like the best batsman in the world, but he also is almost creeping into taking over my role as a cameraman <laughs> and video editor. Because the app that comes with the Mavic Pro can actually do editing on the spot. And he, he's schooling me in how to edit and how to do this, press buttons and all this sort of stuff. I've been in the industry for 20 years. don't even know how to do this. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, I got schooled by Steve Smith in how to, how to fly a, a drone and it was awesome fun. That might, be a, that, that might be his little venture after his plane. He's probably
1: 10 years away from that, but he might become a professional drone pilot. The drone racing, I think it is. Is that a
3: thing? There is a thing. There is a dr- a drone you showed me a I think. did you show me a, a YouTube video?: No, no, I didn't. <laughs> Someone showed me at work a drone you can, drone there is drone racing drone racingly. Like they go through hoops and stuff. Yeah, and they, they, yeah. you film it and you can see how it works, and it's all on YouTube. Now, Andre, you're going to be there filming every ball
1: this match, mm. so if there's anything goes missing, listeners know who to blame
3: <laughs> Well, uh, if sometimes throughout the day, I might lock off the camera. And just pull the lens out a little bit wider, just so that um I can go and get some lunch and I just press record and wander off for about half an hour and then come back um, and sometimes the vision off that locked off angle is better than the vision that I shoot when i'm panning and just building. get a
1: drone to do it. Just sit a drone above the field and then just let it film all day, and then you can just sit back there and sit down and pilot it from your
3: iphone It's <laughs> a good
1: idea but you will be cutting
3: together an extreme, awesome highlights package after yes, each stage play. Yes. So I will be run ragged. You'll yes. be
1: able to catch all that action on cricket.com.au,
3: right? She'll have a first innings highlights. So if you're willing to um, what log on, at what time will it be? About 6 or 7 p.m. Aussie time? Yeah, be like Lunch around 9 p.m. Late Lunch? Night. Yeah, be <laughs> closer to midnight, mate. There you go. Right. Well, I'm going to have a first innings highlights. And then I'll do a full highlights. And then depending on how we go, we'll do a match wrap as well.
1: Finally, we've spoken about the Australian team in New Zealand. We've about, spoken about the Australian team in South Africa. There's one more Australian team with some news, and that is the women's team. Uh, they've announced their squad that are going to play in a limited overs tour in India in March. And the big news there, Cal, is that Meg Lanning, the injured skipper, she's back.
2: She is back. And how exciting is it for the Australian women's cricket team and also fans in general? That Indian tour is going to be an absolute cracker. We know how good the Indian team was, and obviously... Knocked off the Australians in that World Cup last year, so Australia will be out for revenge for sure. And someone like Meg Lanning, so competitive, Mm. she will be hungry for runs, and um, given her track record, you would be hard-pressed to say she won't score a lot of them.
1: Doc, is Meg Lanning the best women's cricketer in the world at the moment, in your eyes?
3: Yeah, I think she is. She's, yeah, the best.
1: Meg is not the only returning name in that squad. Calm a couple of new faces.
2: A couple of new faces, yes, and good to see that WBBL uh, the performance in the WBBL over the summer rewarded with international selection um, obviously someone like Alex Blackwell retiring they're sort of looking to the future a bit more um, Nicola Carey Sophie Molyneux really highly rated players coming through um, and they get their opportunity so it'd be interesting to see how they go over in India uh, we'll have you covered our very own Laura Jolly will be over there covering all the news as always so we look forward to that one and um, it's another big month coming up for Australian cricket.
1: Well, that's it for today's episode. I've got to say a big thank you to Callum and Andre. These two gentlemen will be joining me for the rest of the Qantas Tourist Africa. We're going to be back to preview the first test next week. Uh, but until then, stay logged on to cricket.com.au for all your new scores and highlights from the Qantas Tourist Africa. Cut by the one and only Andre, the Doc Major. Thanks, Doc. Why cutting this? You're cutting the videos. Ah, sorry. Of, of the I talk. tuned out.
0: If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm lip fillers.